and welcome to the Dynasty Strategy Hub podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Ferraro, here with my co-host, Dave Sanders. Uh, we're kicking off season two. Uh, Dave, why don't you introduce our guest? Yes, we're thrilled to have Kyle on. You can follow him on Twitter at FranchiseKF. Kyle's the co-owner of DebbieWatch.com, which offers year-round Debbie coverage and issues an annual publication. I purchased it for the last two years, and it's been a huge help for me in my Debbie leagues and auctions. Um, the 2020 version was just released in February and has over 350 pages of scouting reports, statistical breakdowns, analysis, and rankings. It's an awesome guy. Definitely recommend it. Kyle, thanks for joining us. Hey, I'm glad to be, be on. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So let's get started talking fantasy a bit. So we understand you play mostly college fantasy and Debbie leagues. Kind of tell us, like, how did you get into that in the first place? Yeah, so I think my I was like a lot of people just did a little bit of, of redraft NFL. And for me, I've always been I'm, I'm from Atlanta. And so here in the south, uh, where, where I'm at college football is king. And so um, played redraft and enjoyed that doing NFL a little bit, but just never was a huge NFL fan. And then really got connected with some folks uh, on Twitter a few years ago, I guess that would have been 2017. And I'd actually never even heard of a uh, of a dynasty league in, in any format, whether that was college or NFL, and just started talking about college prospects with a few guys. And then it led to an opportunity to say, hey, do you want to come on and you know talk about, uh, talk about college prospects as they uh, transition to pros with us? Do you want to be a part of the team? And so that's how I kind of got connected with the Debbie and dynasty world. But you know, prior to that, I had done more um, college fantasy leagues, again, just with the focus on either DFS or uh, or, or redraft leagues. And so that's how I kind of got connected and then just jumped right in and, and have enjoyed doing it. And, um, you know, I'm a part of a great team that you already uh, talked about so graciously. And so, uh, yeah, that was kind of how I got connected in. That's awesome. I know I love your stuff. Um, I see Dave turned it on to me about two years ago when he started it. Um, Cause let's see, Debbie, something new to me. And I'll be honest with you, I'm not in any college leagues. Um, are you starting to see a rise in more college leagues? Um, I know it's not as mainstream. I don't. There's not Matthew Berry talking about its college league, uh, but I know with the rise in sports betting and everything else, we're starting to see more. Are you seeing a, a rise in, in college leagues yourself? Yeah, I think so. And I think especially with college DFS coming back, I don't know if that's you know something that you guys follow, but they kind of for whatever re reason there's legislature that prevented college uh, DFS from happening for a few years, and then last year was the first year that that made a comeback and they kind of like surprised it on everybody. It was like late summer. And then it was just like, surprise college DFS is back. And so everyone kind of scrambled and everyone was really excited kind of in that, in that space about it. But it also kind of created this tornado, this whirlwind of like, wow, we've got to get ready for this now too. So I think, I think with that has probably turned people on to redraft and dynasty within the college leagues as well. And I do think it's going to continue to grow. Um, I just think that as college football continues to grow and as, it seems like there's so many unique uh, NFL fantasy formats that are growing. I just think Debbie is going to get more mainstream and then college fantasy is going to get more mainstream. And there's even kind of plays off of all of that, but I won't get, I won't get too far down to the weeds on that. I mean, you're always welcome to go down the rabbit hole that doesn't bother, <laughs> us, bother us at all. Uh, I say DFS is not something I'm quite good at. Like I said, it did kind of get dropped in um, and I'm a new dad. So uh, at that point, my son was three months old. There's not a whole lot of time to sit there and do DFS. Um, but with 112 D1 teams or 118, whatever that number happens to be, that's a lot of players to kind of have to look at, evaluate. So what kind of traits are you looking for to, to either look at most important for future success or from a DFS standpoint that week? Yeah, so I think, I think from a future success standpoint, you know, I, I'm going to be talking about 
before we have the information of where players are drafted, because that's going to be my focus, just to reiterate, if some of your listeners aren't as familiar with Debbie. Um, so I'm going to be looking at players from rising college freshmen all the way to the rising rookie class now. So, for example, the rookie class that we're hearing about right now, these are guys that I first got eyes on, you know, four or five years ago on some of them and started scouting them. So it just it allows for there to be a ton of information. And, and so I think the challenge is just how do I synthesize all of that information? So that's where it's part. It's great to be part of a big team where we all have different processes and we all have different things that we value. Um, but I, I think the, the important thing that I've learned over the years is my opinion about a player is less significant than the NFL's opinion about a player. And so the significance of where a player is going to be drafted or where I project them to be drafted are more significant than my personal thoughts about a player. And I'll give you a, a, a current example of that. You know, Henry Ruggs is the most polarizing guy on Twitter right now in terms of rookies. And so I, I definitely appreciate and understand if some people, uh, particularly those that are bent more towards the analytics side of things, don't want to take a chance on him because of some of his production scores and other things like that in college. But the reality is he's going to be a first round wide receiver. And so if you're playing the probabilities over the years, it's a pretty good plan to take the, take the wide receiver who's drafted in the first round. Now there, there are definitely some misses that come to mind for all of us. And, and ultimately people are looking for film or for uh, spreadsheets and, and specific analytics to help us avoid those misses. But the reality is, my opinion about him is less significant than the NFL's. And so he's going to be a valuable asset from that standpoint. So as such, I think it's important to realize that right now there's kind of this transition going on in the NFL, specifically with wide receivers, where we're not seeing the Des Bryant's get drafted as early. We are seeing the guys who are, you know, six foot and right under 200 pounds or, or maybe even smaller that are being drafted early. So guys that are fast and quick and maybe guys that have been pigeonholed into a slot role that used to be seen as a, as a negative or a downside, but that's actually the way that I see the NFL prioritizing the position right now. So I think it's just for us and for my team trying to stay current on what is the NFL valuing. And so I would say that's a huge component with wide receivers. Is this not the prototypical outside receiver that we're so used to seeing? And then I would say with, with running backs, um, something that I really like to see is how well does a running back catch the football? Because as we know in, in PPR leagues and NFL, guys like Austin Eckler, if you can be an asset as a pass catching back, I think I saw the stat just on his receiving production last year for the Chargers on that alone, he would have been like the wide receiver 12 or wide receiver 15 without even his carries. So I think it's a big thing for me, backs that are uh, big enough to uh, get drafted. I know he's, he's a rare example because he didn't get drafted uh, very early, but I would say backs that are at least 205 pounds, hopefully 210 or above, they can catch the football. Those are the types of players that I'm really kind of trying to, to go after in, in my leagues and in Debbie formats. Makes perfect sense. Uh, I think it took the NFL a long time to realize that speed kills. Um, and like I said, you saw the success with the, the Tyree kill types where if you can run vertical and you've got some way they can heave the ball down there, it suddenly works out a whole lot better. Now, this may kind of seem like a silly question, but I'm going to ask it anyway because that's kind of how I roll. Uh, do you pay much attention to rankings for the guys, for especially your college freshmen that come in, you know, whether they're a five-star, three-star coming out of high school, does that mean anything to you? Um, do you just kind of eliminate that from your thought process and just go with what you see or how does that work for you guys? Yeah, I think, I think it's important to, to take notes of what the guys are ranked. And the reason why I say that is the challenge for me with evaluating high school players is 
unless they're from my city or the metro part of my city, you know, I'm really going to have limited exposure to their game in high school. You know, we'll have access to their YouTube highlights and, and other things like that. But that can be a dangerous game if you're only looking at a player's highlights because you're not seeing the other side of the coin. And so I think one of the huge advantages to the recruiting sites are they get to spend time up close with these guys. They get to go to a lot of different camps that they go to throughout high school. So their exposure isn't just limited to uh, high school highlights. They're able to converse with their coaches. They're able to interview them themselves. They're able to get the opinions of, hey, who was the guy that was really hard to guard? You know, those are the questions that they get to ask guys um, who are DBs in high school. So I wouldn't say it's the be-all, end-all for me. I've actually found myself liking – uh, you know, in this particular class, there were some three and four star backs that I liked their film a lot more than what I saw from some of the five star backs. And so from there, I'm kind of weighing that with, okay, what's their, what's their freshman or sophomore opportunity? What time of, what type of scheme are they going to be in? Are they going to be set up to be successful? Did they make the right choice for the future? So there's so, there's so much information. There's so many things to think through, but for, for me, I'm just kind of trying to digest as much information as I can and then make the best decision. So I would say it does play a role, but for me, my rankings rarely just look like the, you know, 247 or ESPNs. Gotcha. I know myself, uh, I'm a high school official, so I can tell you the guys that are going D1 because I can <laughs> see them in the eastern half of North Carolina, at least all the time. Um, and I know myself just because, I, like I said, doing a little bit of the Debbie, it's – and then, Grant, I get a front row seat to some, some guys, so – like we found, you know, I've worked with officials that have been with Todd Gurley and, and it's guys like that that came out. Um, but I always look at it as for the guys that are going D1, are they just running around people or are they actually making some work? Because it's a lot easier when you're faster, bigger than everybody else to just run past them. But, you know, are you just beating them to the edge and around the corner? Because once you get to college, you can't really do that. Yeah, I think, I think those are really good points. I think that's one of the challenges that – why I, I don't love evaluating high school players just because of that. It's like, well, if you're a D1 receiver, it should be very evident on film. You're just jumping over guys. You're running around. I mean, all you have to do is run a screen and a go, and those are your two routes. And so, again, it can be a little bit challenging, but it's it makes it fun, though, as well, because it's just trying to – there's so many moving pieces, and, and it really is, you know, kind of um, a chess game trying to figure out who, who has traits beyond what the obvious stuff. When it comes to the Debbie draft or Debbie auction, I have two strategy questions for you. So do you think you'd lean more heavily towards like upperclassmen where you might've seen more film or it seems like you might shy away from some of those freshmen that are just coming out of high school. So that's kind of part one. And then part two would be um, if you attend like an auction format where you could spend, you know, a lot of money on a couple high end players, like maybe chase this year, the LSU receiver or some other bigger names, or do you think you might go with some lesser names that you know better than, you know, the field does? Yeah, I think those are those are great questions. I would say to the first one, I definitely lean more towards um, upperclassmen or at least rising sophomores. Um, I've only drafted in a true Debbie format. I've only ever drafted one incoming freshman, uh, and that was DeAndre Swift. So that's going to pan out for me. Um, yeah, but well. but I was I had a lot of conviction about who he was going to be. And so that's just, for me, I think that there's certain things when it comes specifically to running backs. I'm just, I'm not going to draft a running back that is listed on their school website at less than 205 pounds. I'm not going to draft an incoming freshman running back in Debbie, and I'm going to look for a guy. I really prefer a guy that plays at, at a power five school, meaning some of the big schools from SEC, ACC, 
um, Pac-12. It, uh, it's, it's just a harder road for some of these smaller school guys to go down. Um, the good news is their cost is really low, so you can take some shots on guys late, like Devin Singletary and Alexander Madison. Like Those are guys over the years I've been able to take with my last pick in drafts who have been really profitable up until now in terms of their cost now versus how they've appreciated. So I would say I, I tend to just avoid the really young guys. Um, and, and it's also, if, if you're familiar with the economic concept of the time value of money. And so if you're taking a, a player who's about to, let's say DeAndre Swift, for example, who's about to come into the league now, um, versus a guy who you say, this guy's the next DeAndre Swift, but he's three to four years out from actually producing at the NFL level. You've already got hundreds and hundreds of fantasy points uh, on your roster from DeAndre Swift. So for me, I take the guy who's ready to start scoring points soonest because too much squirrely stuff can happen. And as confident as we are about players, come draft day, anything could happen with any guy. The, the, second, the second question for you, um, I, I really dislike auction formats. And the reason why I dislike them is because my, my strength, even within Debbie, is my, my ability to find some of the really lesser known guys. I've had a lot of success, uh, like a couple of those guys that I mentioned, Devin Singletary and Alexander Madison and even um, Josh Jacobs and David Montgomery over the past few years. Those were all guys that I was taking really late in Debbie drafts. And they, they all seem like household names now, but a few years ago, they really weren't. Uh, even to the mainstream NFL guys or even college, even some groups of, of college guys. So they were just lesser known players. And so for me, I just would prefer to keep my cards close. And so if, I, I don't know, I feel like if I'm nominating a guy, I don't want, I don't want undue attention to be coming to them. And um, so, yeah, I, I just, I'm, I'm kind of a conspiracy theorist, I guess, when it comes to uh, maybe that's, the, that's definitely the wrong term, but, but I, I don't, I don't like to show my cards when it comes to auctions. I just haven't enjoyed those formats. You're definitely not crazy when it comes to that. I, I would say during uh, Scott Fishbowl, I got blocked on Twitter by half the people I was in the league with just for the first <laughs> couple of rounds. So you couldn't tell what they were doing based on their Twitter. I'm like, we all got burners. It's not hard to figure out. But um, I totally get from the auction standpoint, though, because at this point, you know, you're obviously known, so and they know you're the Debbie guy. So if ooh, Kyle sent to him, it must be pretty good. So Yeah, maybe, maybe I'm, I, I'm, not, I'm definitely not saying that from a place of – like, oh, look at me, I never miss on prospects or anything. But, I mean, I do think it makes sense to, if I'm in a league with, you know, aside from the guys that, you know, I do stuff with Debbie Watch in, you know, the majority of my leagues, I'm covering this just from a professional standpoint differently than a lot of other guys. And so just the amount of information and time I've invested, I should, I should have more success doing it because I've invested more time and more money, you know, getting to, getting to the point where I'm at. But, you know, definitely still a lot to learn and grow with each cycle and each season, and a lot of humility every off season. Definitely. This game has a good way of humbling you and you think you figured it out. Um, now, since you become aware of prospects probably earlier than most between doing college and then Debbie, um, do you find yourself prone to sticking with guys you really like a little bit longer than maybe you should have, or especially compared to folks that maybe just learned about some of those rookies right about now? Cause Oh, season's over, it's draft time, who are the hot, hot commodities? Do so you find yourself sticking with the, your guys a little bit longer than maybe you should, or have you really learned that lesson where if the NFL doesn't value them as much, you probably should stop? It's kind of a little bit of a hard question for me because I started in 2017, so there just isn't really a whole lot of season's worth. I will say that, like, I can give you two practical examples of two players that I badly missed on over the past couple of years were John Kelly, who was the running back at, uh, from uh, University of Tennessee, who ended up getting drafted, I think, in the sixth round. Now he's buried with the Rams. And then uh, Kelvin Harmon, the wide receiver from 
uh, NC State last season, who again went in the sixth round for uh, for uh, the the Redskins. Those were both guys that I had top five, and so it was just devastating to me to see them their 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 fall on draft day. So I still have both of them on my roster. Um, but part of that's because I don't know that they really carry value. Like I, I think I would probably flip them if I could. I just don't know. I just, I just don't think that the, the return on either of them is very significant now. So maybe there's a part of me that's still holding on, holding out a little bit more hope that they'll defy the odds. But I, I'm, I'm also pretty, pretty reasonable. I feel like that once, once that death sentence came of, of day three, it's kind of like, well, time to just let it go, light a candle, let it go. <laughs> I know I was high on Harmon myself, and it's like, oh, he's going to get drafted soon. Round another round went by. Oh, he's got to go now. Like people are missing, missing the boat here. Yeah. Uh, and I actually have him and Kelly both on a roster, so I, I'm 100 with you on those. Yeah. I, I for the Rams backfield, I bet wrong. Yeah. We like to close out with every guest with rapid fire. Um, so okay. I guess if we were to jump, you know, 10 years in the future, what's one change or new feature that you'd like to see be the Norman fantasy? Oh, this is, you teed it up for me. This is Debbie. You got to have Debbie in, in, in all of the leagues. So uh, that, that's my hope. I, I think that people will, uh, there's, there's different ways that you can get involved. You can have tons and tons of guys where you're having to go down into the lower levels to find guys on your taxi squads, which is kind of what they hold on before they come up to, to the NFL. Or, or you can do just the basics where there's, you know, one or two guys per team. I think it's a great way for folks to, to stay interested at a minimum in the college game and enjoy Saturdays being able to turn on and say, hey, Michigan's playing today and I've got the running back, so let's watch this game. So that's my hope is that it kind of continues to take off. I agree 100%. That's part of what makes Debbie so exciting is you do have that Saturday aspect where I'll actually watch games because I know who people are. Uh, worst trade you've ever made? It wouldn't – I don't know that it would even be in the NFL. Like, there's there's a few really bad ones in college that I don't know – from a college fantasy standpoint that I don't even really know would be would be relevant. So, I'm not I'm not, duck, I'm not ducking the question. I just – I can't think of an NFL one that, that, that comes off right away. But I've been pretty close during this quarantine to making some bad ones, so stay tuned. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those, I got nothing to do. I'm stuck at home for the next <laughs> month. What should I do? Let's trade players. Why? Because right. I want to do something. Right. If someone were to hear this podcast and want to get into Debbie for the first time, how would you recommend they go about that? Great question. Yeah, I, I think that really reaching out to anyone that they see on Twitter, whether that's myself or, or anyone uh, at my group at the Debbie Watch or, or you guys, it, it really just anyone that interacts in that world, I've found that most people really want to welcome other people into the community. And so I would say probably looking – looking on Twitter would be a great place to start, even just kind of searching some names like that and reaching out to folks and saying, hey, how could I get involved in this? I like it. Uh, last two are kind of a bit off the wall. Favorite beverage? I'm a big kombucha tea guy. Uh, I, have, I have kombucha every night, so that's a, that's, that's a big one for me. That's a, that's a consistent staple with me. If I'm going with, a, with a, like a soda or something, I'm going to go cherry Coke. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't drink anymore, so I don't have any fun answers from that standpoint. Uh, you, you don't have to. I said cherry coke's a staple for not for me growing up. Uh, kombucha, I've not really not tried. So I've, there's a kombucha brewery, I guess here. Uh, it's, where it's I nice. am. If you like fermented drinks, it, it's it's nice, and they come. I've we've tried to make it at home, and it just the taste there. I'm like, oh yeah, hon, it's real good, you know. And I'm trying <laughs> to just like get get it down, but there's there's some good like reputable. Uh, 
FDA approved brand. So if you're trying to put bacteria into your body, I kind of want some government regulation there. So there's some good brands. You can hit me up uh, after this. I'll give you some recommendations. I like it. Uh, last one, cake or pie? Cake. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a cake guy myself. I, I like a good cookie cake. I like to go to the mall uh, for my birthdays and, uh, and get a cookie cake. Uh, that's, that's, that's a big one for me. Oh, great American cookie company. I see what you're doing here. <laughs> uh, well, that kind of really wraps up the rapid fire. Uh, this is the chance we want to give you to plug anything that you want to plug, talk anything that you want to talk. Uh, so the floor is yours. Yeah, no, I think you guys did a, did a great job. Dave, you did a great job kind of uh, introducing everything with Debbie Watch. Um, so, yeah, if you guys are interested in, in learning any more about this format or if you want to get involved, and, and even if you don't play Debbie but you're interested in, you know, how to properly evaluate your rookie picks in the future if you play in rookie leagues, um, I think just having an understanding, like if you were to buy the guide, we, we offer the um, – the actual guide, which is, again, covers hundreds of players and scouting reports on all of them, um, relevant data and uh, production scores for all of them. And, uh, and then we also have a, a monthly subscription option, which where we just cover anything from high school players up into, you know, the most off the wall things, the NFL draft, we just cover anything kind of high school to pro football related. So if you're interested in any of that, check out DebbieWatch.com. Um, other than that, I don't think I have anything else. Just wanted to say thanks again to you guys for having me on. Uh, enjoyed being a guest. Yeah, thanks so much for coming on. Everybody definitely should check out the Debbie Watch. It is awesome. Um, and definitely follow Kyle on Twitter, too, at FranchiseKF. Um, thanks again, man. Really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. Game over.